Put your dreams away for now I won't see you for some time I am lost in my mind I get lost in my mind Mama once told me You're already home when you feel love I am lost in my mind I get lost in my mind Welcome back everybody to your creativity. It's a spring spring day here in Salt Lake. At least that's what the weather's telling us today. The weather lately has not been showing that. And we are back at Kiln to do an interview in their little podcasting room. Uh, the last time we were in this room, we, we were interviewing the CEO of Kiln. And we're back to talk to another CEO, but not, not related to Kiln, but uh, a brand new hotspot that will be coming to Salt Lake next year uh, called Edison House. And we're here with George Carden Bistery. You got it. He, he, he gave me the, the, the lesson of saying the, the last name. Bistery like history. That's right. You got it. How are you today? I'm well. How are you today? Are you excited for spring to finally be here? I, I am. We've been waiting. We were just saying how Salt Lake has a nasty habit of uh, sort of f- juking us all out. It, it gets to be nice early in April, and then inevitably there's a bit of a regress before we get the real thing so i think we're finally coming into some good weather here so i'm hoping because i i'm i'm a utah native all my life but i hate the cold <laughs> i've always hated the cold yeah if you, uh, the skiing if you don't ski this is a tough place to be but i lived in the midwest for a while and uh trust me it can be worse than here <laughs> <laughs> well good to know small small blessings i guess yes sir so tell us about edison house it um uh COVID slowed it down uh, yes. quite a bit. Yeah. So we were our, <laughs> it's funny when we started out to build our business, um, we, we spoke with a founder and of a similar business in San Francisco who said, it's going to take you twice as long as you think it is. And uh, I'm, I'm sad to report that he was right about that, <laughs> but we're, we're actually really rounding third here. We're, uh, we're about a year away. And uh, yeah, we're opening, it's a social club. So for those who don't know what that is, um, if you're a local from Salt Lake, probably the easiest comparable business would be the Alta Club, um, which has been around for 120 years. Um, And we are similar to the Alta Club in that it is a membership style club. So you can think of it almost like an urban style country club um, without the golf course, of course. Uh, but that's kind of where the similarities stop. Um, we, we've taken what is a tr- very traditional business model um, that actually date back to London in the 1800s and probably before that. And we've really re-en- re-engineered, reinvented what that business model might look for, uh, look like in the 21st century. So that's what we're doing. Awesome. Um, so so to... Tell us a little bit about that history in London. What kind of clubs were, were there? Well, that's a really good question. I, I'm not the expert, but, uh, you know, the, it all actually ties back to this idea of the third place. Um, and there's a lot of research. And, and uh, in fact, you can even hear um, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, talked a lot about this when they were starting their business. And this is the idea that, uh, you know, you have people who – well, pretty much everybody traditionally has had their home and their office 
And the question becomes, what's that third place that people spend time, right? They spend their time in their home. They, their second place is their office. What's the third place? And we could have a whole sidebar. We could spend a whole podcast uh, episode, I'm sure, talking about all of the dynamics at play in that industry with everything that's going on um, in co-working. Obviously, we're in Kiln. Um, and then COVID has thrown and, and, and is kind of thrown fuel on this uh, fire that's been going for a long time in terms of what the trends are in that industry. But uh, suffice it to say that we think that Edison House and these social clubs um, are truly going to be the third place going forward. And, and they, that's the history of it. So if you go back to eight, the 1800s or even before, I mean, there's always been this need for a sense of community and belonging. And the third place, whether it was a church or whether it was the marketplace or whether it was a social club, um, has been a very prominent feature of society for a very long time. And the social club is, I think, uh, very well positioned to be a successful third place uh, for the short term and I think in the long term as well. Uh, so you co-founded it with your brother, um, Charlie. And at one point he was going to join us, but he became unavailable. How, what was those first, you know, idea meetings like? Yeah, so it's a great question. So uh, just a little bit about kind of who we are, I guess. Yeah. So uh, both of us grew up here in Salt Lake, so we're locals. And we both went to the University of Notre Dame. So Charlie is four years younger than I am. And uh, he, uh, like, as you mentioned, was unfortunately not able to join us today. We had a few things pop up that um, dr dr took him away from us. But we've been working on this together f since 2019, early 2019. And I actually developed the, the business model uh, at UCLA, getting my MBA. So I've been working on it since 2017. So it's been almost five years in the making by the time. Um, will be open. And um, so we grew up here and Charlie worked in private equity uh, in Chicago afterwards. So so we were local, but then we both went away for a while. So I was in Indianapolis, then I lived in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, I knew that I wanted to do something purposeful. And I had worked uh, in tech for a while. And I liked that work, but it didn't have the kind of meaning behind it that I really wanted. And I felt compelled to bring something into the world. And um, Salt Lake is such an interesting place. There, it has so much to offer, but I also saw a lot of where the potential lies. When I lived in Los Angeles and I lived in Indianapolis and Charlie living in Chicago, we saw um, how a lot of those big cities have a bit more to offer just from an urban uh, lifestyle perspective than Salt Lake. And then at the same time, we see all the growth that's happening here in Salt Lake. And I think we saw that opportunity. We understood where the city was headed or where it needed to go. And so he was an obvious um, person for me to go to uh, because I think he, ha having grown up here with me, understood that dynamic the same way that I did. And then just on top of that, I mean, he's not here, but you know, he's extremely intelligent. He's just a great person to work with and then his skill set was very much kind of what I wanted to find in a in a co-founder we both have uh degrees in finance but with his uh with his background in private equity he had a much more applied and specific uh, skill set that really complemented uh what, what I felt was necessary for the business at the time and and to answer your question directly uh 
the first it really it's it's been this way since the beginning um we've worked really well together it has there's been very little butting of heads um I probably just the dynamic of having grown up in the same household we kind of know how to get along and um it's been a it's been wonderful working with him so did far. you fight his kids or get along as kids we always <laughs> we always well <laughs> he might answer this differently than i would right um uh, the younger he always pro- thinks picking that's on him. exactly <laughs> right that's what he would say he would say that i was always picking on him but i know i think we had a, a fairly harmonious upbringing i mean you know you i'm sure there was there were riffs here and there with just yeah like you said kids being kids but for the most part we've we've always been close with my younger brother Jordan, who kind of inspired this podcast uh, to come about, we have a similar relationship. Where, for the most part, we you know we've been just good buddies. Yeah, yeah, it, it helps. There's a there's a foundation of trust there that I think is really valuable for any business. Do you, aside besides the two of you, is there any like any partners that you are are working with, or is it just the two of you? battling the city yeah. <laughs> contractors and yeah yeah it's a great question um so we so we just hired our first empl- official employee that was the um, line going, so yeah. <laughs> yeah so she and her name's uh lauren boyack and she is going to be our head of membership uh she worked with uh squatters uh to help build their empire so uh we couldn't be more thrilled uh with her we just feel like we've hit a grand slam with her um, up until now, it's just been Charlie and I in terms of full-time working dedicated on this project. But, of course, there have been uh, there so many people whose fingertips have touched this project. We've got a wonderful team of architects. We've got an uh, owner's representative who's basically helping us make sure we don't you know, walk into every – pit that we could which because we're we're first-time developers our our background is in um is like i mentioned is in finance and business and so we we've got we've surrounded ourselves with uh construction experts to make sure that we don't fall on our face um everyone from interior design to to our construction team you know we're we are meeting regularly with a fairly strong orbit of people but uh all of them are on a contract basis so we're just now turning our attention to f- growing our business full time and you sent me those pictures of the, the mock-ups of what's coming so the architects and the designers are are you know did amazing putting those together tell us a little bit about you know specific type of rooms you know, areas. Swim, yeah. There's a swimming pool. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We, uh, we, we're, thank you for the compliment. We, we feel like, um, very grateful to have worked with what we believe are some of the most talented people in their field, really in, in the world. Um, we couldn't be happier with what, how it turned out. Uh, and as you mentioned, the, so the product itself, we may, maybe, maybe worth a little bit of time just to talk yeah, about that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, so we think of our product sort of in three phases and I'll, I'll touch on them briefly and then I'll talk about the clubhouse itself. So the, the first is the, the community of people. Um, and, and so it's, as we mentioned, it's a membership style club. So, uh, we actually intend to build a very curated, very intentional community of diverse and interesting people around Salt Lake City uh, so that when you show up at Edison House, you know you're going to be bumping into really dynamic and, and exciting people. And we can talk a little bit more about that. 
Um, the, the next piece of it is our member programming and events. So we are going to do all sorts of interesting uh, nightlife experiences that will bring people in and help them expand their horizons. And that's going to touch across a wide range of interests. So everything from live music to comedy shows to panel speakers to drag queens to <laughs> rooftop discos, you know, whatever, whatever it might I be. I know some drag um, queens and comedians. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. That, hey, that's that's right in our world. Um, so the the intent there uh, is to just to provide the, the allure or, you know, to just provide a, a valuable amenity, we think, to our members. And then the last piece, as you mentioned, is the clubhouse. Um, so the clubhouse, we think of this as uh, it's our home base, obviously, and we want it to be really the home away from home, the third place for our members. And it it is deliberately constructed to uh, to be that lifestyle hub. So it has a wide range of amenities. We've got uh, a fitness center. Um, we've got, which includes full locker room, sauna, showers, weight room, cardio room. Um, and then we've got a, a, a couple of lounge spaces, which are conducive to, I hate the word co-working because I don't want to convey that we're a co-working space, but uh, I, I think- Working it, could happen. There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, won't, we don't intend to be anybody's full-time work space, but it's the kind of thing where if you want to answer some emails or, or do a business lunch or something like that, we're the perfect solution, right? Um, we've got- Or podcast. More podcast. That's there. You go. We we definitely have rooms that would be conducive to that. Uh, and then we've got so and on the first floor we've got uh, well we've got four bar five bars in the whole space. Um, one of which is attached to our primary restaurant space, which is on the first floor. That's going to be a higher end contemporary American style uh, restaurant that we're still we're still developing the concept, but that's going to be our main restaurant focus. And then there will be actually a second menu available throughout the rest of the club. And uh, what else do we have? We've got a sports bar. We've got a billiards room. We've got a private karaoke room. Uh, we have a piano parlor, which is a speakeasy style. And then we have a speakeasy within our speakeasy, which is a private uh, music venue or, or actually a performance venue. That's where we can do a lot of the events that we were talking about. And then on the third floor, we've got that's our big open rooftop terrace. So we've got a private events hall up there. And then we've got this large terrace space, which includes a rooftop pool, rooftop bar, um, and then a space that can actually be transformed into an outdoor theater. So we're going to do a like a rooftop uh, summer uh, movie series up there. Nice. My co-host has a chocolate shop. And in regular years, he does have uh, summer movies. Yeah. That uh, have you heard Hatch Family Chocolates? Oh yeah, of course. I live up on. I live uh, in the avenue, so there. I believe there's a Hatch right near there, isn't there? Yep. Yeah. 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 Steve's the, the co-host. One of oh, the, I one didn't of the know owners. that. Yeah. Oh, I'll have to go in there, and we go over to Avenues Proper all the time, and then stop by Hatch and get some, get some sweets on our way home. So yeah. Yeah, that's funny. I, I brought it up, but he never, I never heard back from him about coming today. No so. worries. Well, I'll go in <laughs> and uh, I'll say hello the next time we're over there. All That'd right. Awesome. Um. Well, where is it? it it's <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so it's going to be on second west between third and fourth south. So that's south of uh, P.F. Chang's. That is right. So it's near P.F. Chang's or for those who aren't familiar, it, it's near Valters, Squatters, Red Rocks, Setebello. 
um, kind of near, it's right, it's about a block away from Lake Effect. It's a block and a half away from a lot of the Main Street bars. You've got Gracie's, which is right there. You've got, uh, you know, the whole White Horse, Whiskey Street, that whole space. All of those uh, are within like a block or, or two of us. So we're right downtown. And if our listeners are Mur- Salt Lake Mural people, it's, it's the, it's the big jazz, one of the big jazz ones. It's the- yeah. On the side of Valters, there's that, yeah. there's that jazz mural that they've got. And it's not there. There's actually two lots right there. There's one on the corner and that's not ours. And there's actually a larger lot, which strangely enough, just because of the way the infrastructure is built right there is a little more conspicuous, but it, uh, that's our lot. And so it's a rectangular lot. That's like kind of right in the middle of 200 West. That that area seems kind of compact. The way I'm picturing it in my head, how mm-hmm. is parking? That is work. an excellent question. <laughs> uh, so we do have a contract with the Greek Church, which is about a block and a half away. Okay. Um, we are pursuing other alternative parking uh, solutions, and we have a couple of strong leads, I believe. Uh, it, because we're a year out at this point, it's a little challenging to get these contracts in place um, because a lot of the providers just aren't ready to make any kind of agreement that far out. Um, so we don't have an on-premise uh, parking solution, but we do anticipate having some parking available uh, through a, a, a nearby third party. Um, there will also potentially be some valet at, at you know high traffic volume times. And then the other piece of it too is, um, you know, we're actually gonna be lo- licensed as a bar. Uh, the the liquor laws in Utah are such that it just made a lot more sense for the user experience for the club to be licensed as a bar. It'll allow people to take their drinks from the rooftop down to the speakeasy, and it, it just really freed up uh, what we could do. And so the the, the reason I mention it is uh, as a bar, it also we 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 advise a lot of our members and their guests to to Uber. Yeah, and to Uber is public transportation. Yeah. yeah, we certainly. Um, you know, we're, we're an urban destination, and we think that uh, that's always a really great solution. Uh, Pricing-wise, is is it for, you know, regular people, or is it more kind of <laughs> upper? I, I, I was trying to figure out the best way to yeah, say Yeah, of course. It. No, it's a really great question. Um and, and it's a little bit of a challenging one. I mean, I don't I don't want to pigeonhole us one way or the other, but I think yeah. the, the, here's how I think about our pricing and how I would communicate it. So it's $200 a month. That's our standard membership fee. And I, I guess it would be a matter of your perspective as to how much money that is. It's certainly not uh, nothing. I mean, that's a, that's a, can be a sizable investment for, for a lot of people. Um, at the same time, you can find gyms where the the cost of a five class pass is one hundred and twenty five dollars a month, and we have a we're offering a gym and all these other amenities, and so uh, gym and a party, right? Yeah, gym and a party. Yeah, yeah, several parties, right? Yeah, um, and, and a community, and so we we think that our value proposition is really strong here. We we recognize that uh, it it may be a bit of a penny pincher for a lot of people. Um, but at the same time, we were not priced the way that a lot of traditional country clubs or social cl- clubs are. I mean, a lot of the country clubs, uh, both locally and nationally are, you know, can be tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to join and we're 2,400 bucks a year. So by 
that lens, we, we hope that we're able to attract uh, a more uh, and be more attractive to a broader base of people because we don't want to just be the club for the 1% or the 1% of 1%, right? We want there to be broad inclusivity and to, to be able to attract that, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. At, at the same, not giving every, everything away. Right, right. Right. Because, you know, stocking bars, you know, five bars in a restaurant. I've yeah. Wor- I worked in restaurants 15 years. It is a, a delicate balance. Yeah, it's they're they're challenging businesses to run. I mean, we're actually not as I mentioned, we're we're not from the hospitality world. I did do some uh, some apprenticing, I'll call it, at at a <laughs> bar and restaurant in uh, in Los Angeles for uh, about eight months, where I started out bussing tables and washing dishes, <laughs> and then I slowly, you know, worked my way up to server, and then bartending and managing, and I was able to kind of get that experience, which I think was just for me, it was critical because I, who would I be to imagine that I could open such an elaborate business without having ever, ever having you know worked truly in the industry? So I, I was grateful for that. Um, but that being said, we will of course hire really exceptional people to to manage that part of our business. Well, if I could just lay life lessons out, work don't make it a career unless you're really into it. But totally. But food service and retail, just some experience. I think is very helpful, mm-hmm. especially if you have empathy for the people you're trying to help and take care of. I think it's very crucial in just living, you know, good and being a good business person is understanding, you know, customers that close. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no question about that. I mean, I I think having worked alongside the dishwashers when I was in Los Angeles and being the busboy and having a bad back and what that (laughs) means. And it gives you a very, I think, important perspective. And you can also see how those people relate to their manager and to the owner and how those relationships are formed and their opinions of their bosses are developed based on the way that they get treated. It's really critical. and, And we take our mission to take care of uh, our employees very, very seriously. And um, it's actually one of the things that inspires me the most about what we're doing is our this opportunity to bring employment to people and to take care of them. And, and that's something we take very seriously. Uh, so you're taking a wait list for people uh, to become members. And I read uh, 1,200 so far is, is there going to be a cap on that or are you just going to keep on taking it's a great question so names? yeah i mean so we are for right now we're the wait list is open to anybody who wants to drop their name on it and we would encourage anybody who's interested in our uh in our club to to do so um the the reality of the situation is that we can only accept so many people right um and and the good news is that over time we anticipate that we're going to be able to grow the membership uh beyond what we will initially open with uh for a couple reasons one is that just over time we found that uh or i guess in research we found that members tend to use the club uh, a little bit less over time right they like any product right you buy something it's new it's shiny you use it a lot and then over time it the appeal dwindles a little bit and you just don't use it as much and so that allows us to sell more memberships because utilization comes down um, the other piece of it too is that we are also going to intentionally uh, try to th- 
I'll call it thread the needle a little bit with the opening uh, member count because we want it to be, um, we want people to walk in and there's a vibe, there's a buzz about the place, right? There needs to be a certain energy in the club. At the same time, we, we don't want it to be utter chaos, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> Where it's like no one can get a drink at the bar and, and there's a line out the door and people are wondering why they're paying for all this. And so um, we're gonna be very cognizant about what's that right number, that sweet spot um, with the number of people when we first open so that we can attain that. And then obviously over time, our, our operational abilities will improve, um, which will again allow us you know, to then open up the club for more membership as we ha as we iron out the kinks and have a, a greater level of confidence in our ability to to cater the people um, who are in our in our walls. So uh, the short answer is we anticipate opening probably with about a thousand members, um, which means that our wait list already exceeds um, the number of people that we'll be able to accept. Um, but we do believe that we can add quite a bit more than that over time. We'll, we'll scale that. Um, I, we don't actually know what the, the, what the final membership count will be like. We've talked to a lot of clubs around the country, um, and the utilization per square foot, uh, varies pretty dramatically. Uh, so we think that it's likely that we'll probably at some point get to 2,000 members, and it's certainly possible that we could get that number to 3,000 or 4,000. There are a lot of variables at play that will drive that, but ultimately it will yeah, just I was be just a, thinking a, about that. Like if it's New York, which is a much more vertical place, you could, you know, have a lot more movement back and forth. But you know, other places where things are a little more spread out, you know, it could go a different way yeah it's the truth is that there are just so many different variables here i mean some of it's like what else happens in salt lake that attracts people people's attention and what how do people use the club right do they use the club just to come and have a, a drink on friday night or do they come and co-work like we talked about or do they do all of these things so there's there's just so many things at play um, that we really aren't going to know what our final membership count is going to be probably until well into when we're open and have a better sense of what utilization looks like. And you're looking at, um, well, next year, but you're breaking ground on the 10th of May? Yes, we are 10 days away or something like that. So we're getting very close. Very close. We're, we've been pushing for it for a very long time, so we're really excited to finally have this, uh, have this going. Yeah, because when we first started talking last year, it was like, oh, yeah, in a month we're going to break ground. Yeah. And then, you know, that was when everything. Yeah, that <laughs> the world out. the world <laughs> fell apart a little bit and uh, we hit some roadblocks as as a first time developer. Apparently roadblocks are a, a part of the a part of the deal. Um, but uh, we're really grateful to have cleared those hurdles and uh, get going. So that's awesome. What have been some of your favorite things about the, the process? Oh man, um, <laughs> the whole thing. I mean, you know, I, I think that it was an excellent experience in just learning how to start a business, right? I mean, I, I went to business school and I've always had an interest in business. And um, so it's really fun to, to apply, I guess, the things that you, that you learn. And as I mentioned earlier, I, I opened this business because I have a very strong attachment to the mission of it. And there came a point where I had to make a decision coming out of grad school. Do I go and just take a high paying job at another 
company or do I go try and do this thing that I'm really passionate about? And I, and, and I just, I had kind of an epiphany moment where I was like, if I didn't do that, I would probably regret it every day for the rest of my life. So it was just having even the opportunity to do that. So many people are not in a position where they can take that kind of a chance. And so I recognize how uh, unique it was for me to be able to, to do what I'm doing. And then, um, so then figuring out how to then define that mission and bring it to life and to apply all these skills. And it was just, it's such an amazing process and you get to touch every little part of the business, right? I mean, I could talk, we had a lot of fun doing all of our marketing and figuring out how do you actually present this to, you know, in a, in a public marketing setting. And, um, you know, working with my brother has been has been fabulous. And then just the designing of the building. I mean, that was new to me, but what a what a cool opportunity to be able to. So here's how I would say it. Right. I mean, we, we start with this mission of how do we create this community? How do we create this environment that's really conducive to connecting with, with other people? And that question informs how you build every part of your business. So that informed how we developed our marketing and it informed how we built the building, right? There, I remember we had a moment where we had been developing the, the building for maybe two or three months. And uh, we had this epiphany that we had developed two few like so we had a lot we had a couple of large spaces and we didn't have a ton of small spaces and we we went out and we did like a road trip and we went to all these different bars and restaurants and and social clubs and we left with this epiphany that sometimes we, work is tough <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> trust me the market research for this particular uh business is unparalleled yeah, yeah lots of fun um and it was great. Yeah. And you get to see like you get a sense of interior design influence and uh, just all it really expanded in, in the spirit of our business. It expanded our horizons in so many different fields and areas. And it, anyways, the short but what I was saying is that, you know, you get all we had all these large spaces. And one of the takeaways was, no, if we want to create uh a sense of community and a sense of togetherness, what you really want are small intimate spaces. So we, we went back and redesigned some of these different spaces and all of these different ideas were really informed by the, the overall vision and mission of the business. And I think it was just, I don't know if it's a single thing, but I love that idea of just, of having a mission that drives what we're doing and being able to apply it in a way that so few people ever get that opportunity. That's beautiful. I'm just I'm just soaking that in. Oh, thanks. Well, well while we're talking inspiration, uh, who inspires you personally, business-wise, stuff like that? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, well, I mean, I think I would start with my my family inspires me. I mean, I, we I, I'm very very fortunate to have uh, very intelligent and very thoughtful people around me, from uh, my husband to my father to my brother um, to my mother uh, to my sister, all of those people. And all the people in my life just growing up have really guided me with a really keen sense of direction, thoughtfulness, intelligence. Um, so that's that, you know, that's probably not the sexy answer, but it's, it's the, probably the best answer. And then beyond that, I mean, I guess just like this is maybe a strange answer, but I, I do admire uh, the. <laughs> I admire the risk taking and the execution of what Elon Musk has been able to accomplish. I will tell you that. And just sort of the like global or universal perspective that he uses to, 
to go about his business is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty amazing. Uh, what situations are most creative for you? You you know, over the whole development that you probably have tons where, you know, things come easier or harder. Yeah. Um, so Charlie, my brother, is great with the finance stuff. And so I don't – it's not that I don't touch that stuff as much. Any good business needs to be grounded very strongly in good finance and economics. Yeah. And so I was very involved in understanding all of the dynamics of our economic model early on. But then I was grateful to pass the baton of responsibility for that off to Charlie. And um, we've worked together, really, I mean, hand in hand on pretty much every aspect of the business. So it's not just like he does that and I do this. I mean, we're working together. But I would say the marketing aspect of it was really fun. I, I didn't do the creative, but you know, like a good example would be our website, right? Um, we get compliments on the website all the time. And it's the perfect like startup story, which is like, you know, we we got a bid from a, a local person to do it, and it was like, you know, $125,000 or something. It was like, we don't have that kind of money for a startup, right? So we found some guy in Russia, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or actually Croatia. He's, he, or the, our uh, rendering uh, person is in Russia. But yeah, we find all these like kind of freelancers. And then you're project managing this, and you're applying the marketing and you're kind of acting as that liaison. So I, I would say that our my fingerprints are pretty much all over that website. So I think I had a strong creative influence on that. I do all of our social media. I'm not sure I do it well, but it, we, at least we've got some people on the on the wait list, and that that's been fun. Um, the development of the the building was certainly a creative process that was spearheaded by our you know genius interior designers. But we were very involved in the the feedback process and, and having a vision for what that looked like. So I think in a lot of areas, it was a, it was a joint process whereby we found the best of the best to do what they do. And then we kind of project managed it because we have a vision for what we want. And we were able to, through communication with those people, sort of like filter what we wanted into existence. Awesome. I'm, I'm a graphic designer. So clients that know, you know, what they want to say are always, always helpful. So you, you sound like you're good clients for the, the creators. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I, don't, I hope they would say that. I think so. All right. I'm trying to see. Oh, how'd you come up with the name? So this is the, probably the least sexy answer I'm going to give you all day. We, uh, <laughs> we were originally supposed to be on Edison street. That was the original location that we had. There was a building on Edison Street that we thought we were going to get. We thought we were going to buy it. And um, as the universe had it, it didn't work out. But we had already started developing our uh, our branding, and we liked the name. And we did discuss changing the name. Um, my my mother's maiden name, my our family name is Hemingway, so there was some discussion of going with Hemingway House. But... Ernest had a few uh, skeletons in his closet, and he, he, what we what we quickly realized was that we wanted something we could make our own. Um, Edison was a fairly non-controversial figure. Uh, if anything, he represents inventiveness, and and we don't even necessarily think ourselves of ourselves as being tied in with Thomas Edison. It's more just about how do we create a neutral uh, brand opportunity for us to carve out our own identity. 
And with Hemingway House, you'd have to have cats, and that doesn't quite work well with restaurants. Yeah. The so. cats wouldn't do well, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I, uh, whiskey is great, but I'm not sure that we could serve it in the quantities that he would have wanted, so it would, you know. Yeah. Have you ever been to, down there in the Florida Keys to the Hemingway House? I, you know what? I know that it is. I, we, I, I only know about its existence simply <laughs> because— I Googled Hemingway House when yeah. we were going about this. I've not been down there, but I, I it looks very intriguing. I would. We took a Florida trip, and it was like overnight. We went down to the Keys, and it was it was really cool. Yeah, I would love to go do that. And he, you know, he um, he also spent a lot of time up in Sun Valley, and they they used to allow people to go tour his his place up there. But I guess they stopped doing that because people were stealing, which is just horrible. Like people would go in there and take his stuff. But um, but yeah, we are, we we're loosely related to to him. I don't know um, exactly what the connection is, but somewhere in my family tree, we've got we've got a connection. Philo T. Farnsworth, the inventor of the television camera, is in my oh there you go ancestry. So. <laughs> There so we go. <laughs> between, yeah, between uh, we've got both mul- most of the multimedia is covered. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like it. it. Well, it is bonus question time. We close out with uh, three fun bonus questions. <laughs> okay, I love it. First one it is the podcast is called Your Creativity. What does creativity mean to you? Hmm, what does creativity mean to me? Well, I'm going to answer this in a – I'm going to take a left turn here on this. Um, so I uh, – before, before I – wanted to be an entrepreneur before I probably knew what I wanted to be at all. Uh, I wanted to be a musician and, uh, I am a pianist by not, I won't say by trade, but I considered for a brief period, a career as a pianist. And, um, I love improv more than anything. I love the sort of spontaneous spontaneity of it. Um, but it's structured spontaneity. And I guess that would be how I would answer that question is it's, it's, there all creativity has to live within some sort of structure creativity is not just anything goes which i think is a little contrary to what you probably hear often when you ask this question that people you probably get a lot of um what is the the old improv right yes and um and for me uh yes and is a great guiding light but the best creativity has a certain structure around it so in a musical perspective, what that might mean is I don't get to just play any key on the piano whenever I want. There's a certain chord structure that I have to follow, and there are right and wrong notes. There are a lot more right notes than there are wrong notes, but there is a certain structure which guide, which should guide creativity, and the best outcomes always live within some sort of defined structure because without that, uh, it, it just doesn't always turn out quite as well. <laughs> You explaining that makes me think of jazz because, you know, there's a basic structure to it, but then, you know, they go off and rift. Right. So, like, I guess maybe in a more applied context (laughs) of what we're talking about today, like, right, like if we were if we wanted to just say we're going to create a beautiful social club for people and we didn't have any kind of structure or guiding perspective on what we were really trying to accomplish, it wouldn't have turned out well. Right. It wasn't the our clubhouse is beautiful but it's also very intentional. We didn't just say, let's create the most beautiful building we can. We said, let's create the most beautiful building we can. And we also want it to be intimate and intentional for, for meeting people and for creating a community. We had all of these guardrails around which we 
put our creativity that is what ultimately drove us to the right answer nice yeah because anybody can open a, a club but if areas don't have purpose people are going to get bored and yeah and leave uh, the next one's a lot funner who's your favorite muppet and why <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a good question um i mean kermit's pretty cool but i'm guessing that that's probably not the most exciting answer uh, Miss Piggy's pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't know that I have a real answer. I mean, her voice is memorable. They all, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. But I'd probably say Miss Piggy. It's a good one. M mine is Gonzo. Gonzo's good. He's the, is he the drums? Or is no, he that, the, that's is animal. He the, that's animal. Okay. Gonzo's the one with the nose. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. His girlfriend's a chicken. You know. <laughs> How could I forget? He, he's just he's just weird and trying his best and. He's got friends, you know? It's, it's who I really I mean, know. I love the Muppets. Yeah, yeah, we went and saw that new Muppets movie maybe four or five years ago. It was great. I'm rewatching the old show oh, on are Disney you? Plus right now. It's, it's a blast. Who are the two? Marley and Marley? Is that who? That's from the uh, Charles Dickens one. Who yeah, the, the two old guys who the are Mickey always up Christmas in the, Carol. Yeah. What's the. Uh, but they're, those are Muppets, right? The, yeah. Yeah. What are the two? What are the names of the old men who are always like. Waldorf and yeah. Stadler. Yeah, there you go. They're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Also in this question, it includes anything Jim Henson created. Got it. So, you know, Yoda, Dark yeah. Crystal. <laughs> Dark Crystal. I Sesame watched Street. Dark. My husband made me watch Dark Crystal. It was quite the experience. <laughs> did, you, did you guys watch the series? <laughs> no, we watched. Isn't there a movie, I think? Yeah, there's a movie. Yeah, and we Netflix watched the movie. Did a yeah, I didn't see the series. I'll have to. It takes place before the movies. It's pretty cool. <laughs> okay, we'll check Netflix it out. Netflix canceled it. Oh, uh, darn them. It was expensive and COVID and all that. <laughs> and then lastly, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? In the movie of my... Well, <laughs> everyone always says I look like Rupert Grint, which I think is the weirdest thing because it's just because I have red hair. I look nothing like him. So I'm not... So not him. Uh... Who would I want to play me in a movie? I mean, I feel like Tom Cruise isn't realistic. <laughs> Who, yeah, you're much too really, tall. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about Meryl Streep in drag? She's my favorite actress. She could figure it out. There we go. <laughs> Did you... Was it her at the Oscars the other night doing? No, that was Glenn Close. She's oh, quite okay. good. She's quite good yeah. too, and she has done some drag actually. <laughs> in those, in a, there was a show that she did. She played a male. I can't remember, but yeah, we'll go with Meryl Streep. <laughs> what's your favorite drag movie? I just my favorite of... drag movie. Yeah. Oh God, what's the? Well, Priscilla in the Desert's good. I mean, Birdcage is probably the funniest. I freaking love Robin Williams. He's hilarious. I like the one with Patrick Swayze. To Wong Fu, thanks for everything. Oh, Jim. yeah. It's been a minute, but yes. Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah. It's just the three last people you would, you would ever expect. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it's got so much heart and fun and stuff. That's my Matthew. Matthew, Matthew had me watch that one, too. He, he's in charge <laughs> of what we watch at home. I'm just like, okay, whatever. Well, it sounds like he's made some good choices. Yes, he has. <laughs> yeah. I'm well informed now. Well, the breakdown, where can people find more information? Where can they get on the wait list? Absolutely. So uh, our our uh, website is edisonhouseslc, as in Salt Lake City, dot com. 
and they can it's pretty easy to get your name on the wait list just go in there and there's there's a button top right corner on your phone you should be able to find it join the list it's really easy you just put in your name your your zip code and your email address and you hit go and we'll have you on there and we will be sending out um, updates to the people on our wait list as we get closer to open about uh, how you can send in an application and um, yeah and then we've got it we've got an instagram account we've got a linkedin account same same names just google edison house salt lake city you'll find us awesome well i'm excited i i, I don't want to wait but <laughs> we have to you know yeah i mean we could go <laughs> hang out down at the lot but there's not a lot going on yeah. you know like well there'll be something over there in about 10 days or 10 so. days yeah that's so. exactly right are you going to put out any press release? Well, of course you're going to put out a press release, but like have an official kind yeah, of we're going to do ceremony. A, we are. We're going to do a, a, a groundbreaking ceremony um, on the 19th. So technically not on the groundbreaking, but we uh, we were a little slow to the punch. So we're gonna we're gonna do that then. And um, yeah, we'll have we'll have uh, very you know if you drive by there, you'll see uh, this fencing will have our our logo and our our renderings on it. So you can't miss it. Awesome. Thank you, George. Thank you very much, Dylan. Appreciate it. You have a good, have a good day. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate oh, no you thinking of me. It was it was a good time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. The podcast is done, man. <laughs>